your existence is not by accident. It is intentional because we serve an intentional God. So it's strategy plus behavior, which will equal accomplishing each goal. If you look in your trash can, everything in your trash can once had value. That wrapper, that container that, you know, DoorDash brought in for you or Uber Eats, whatever it is, you know, that was important or else the driver would have been carrying your food in in their hand. (laughs) (laughs) As some do, no, I'm joking. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Your fries were delicious. This was a hard episode to put together because our next guest is a wealth of knowledge. During our pre-production meeting, everything just sounded so good. We were trying to decide if we should talk about personal development financial education, uh, mindset growth, health, wellness, fitness, marriage, and finances. We probably could have turned this interview into a series if you ask me. But we were able to whittle it down to a few important topics that you, the investors, should know when thinking about your investments. Behavioral finance is the study of how we think about money. And on this episode, we are going to explain why good investors make irrational decisions and how you can reduce the risk of making those same mistakes. We'll wrap up the show by explaining some of the mental mistakes our brains make that cause us to lose the most money, such as the power of anchoring, the herd mentality, and other cognitive biases that are at the root of our misguided choices. So stay tuned. All this and more next, coming up on this episode of Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. I am A.B. Ridgeway, the host of Financial Advisors, say the darndest things in my mom's favorite Christian financial advisor. On this show, we speak to the brightest minds in the financial industry and take the most complex financial topics and make them easy to understand. So you as an investor can make a financial decision that is right for you and your family. Our next guest is a certified cognitive behavioral mindset coach and certified flexibility coach. With over 15 years of experience and a leading voice in the behavioral finance industry, Marcella provides a scientific approach to behavioral discipline that guides first-generation, high-income earners in consistently experiencing financial certainty. She does this by eliminating mental restraints around money and developing the behavior to grow and maintain a multi-generational family legacy. So let's get ready to stretch our minds and our bodies as we bring on our next guest. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Marcella Marlin Williams. Welcome. Thank you. How Thank are you, you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm well, I'm well. Thank you. <laughs> good, How are good. You? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for being on. I want to start the conversation where we sort of left off during our first meeting, setting goals. And during this meeting, you mentioned your mind needs to attach value to every goal that you set to make it worthy of pursuing. So can you tell us more about why setting a goal should be our first priority when thinking about finance and life in general? Not about the goal. It's about the value. And this is where I like to help people to understand the importance of placing the value and attaching that value with your mind to the goal, making the connection. And why it's important is because when it comes to financial planning, when it comes to setting financial goals, the finances, the money is really not the priority, right? Money is simply the tool, a powerful tool that allows us to do more, um, become more. And that's really what that's all about. And to live, increase our quality of life, all the desires that we look for. Unfortunately, if we do not place the actual value to the goal, that's where we will struggle with accomplishing it. 
So what I really work with individuals is to help them to understand that where you must go with that is understanding what is the goal. So your what and your why, then your priority, your mindset, your behavior, how are you going to change? What are your actions going to be? What are they going to follow through from the mindset that you're placing with that goal? And then what is the strategy? So it's strategy plus behavior, which will equal accomplishing each goal. I really like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the value that we place on things is from our hearts of hearts, right? We used to work off the barter system. It's like, hey, I like your shoes. You like my lamp. Let's trade, right? (laughs) Because we felt that was equal value. But this monetary value is still almost like the barter system because $5 to you may not be worth the same $5 to my child, right? I can, I can make them wash the dishes for a dollar by, you know, for two hours, but I can't make anybody else do that. Right. Because the value of that dollar is totally different. So can you talk about some, maybe the intangible values that we may pursue in, in this imaginary kind of uh, world? And I say imaginary, because let's say that you have a pair of shoes. Sometimes you're willing to pay more for the shoes, not for the shoes themselves, which may only cost you $5 to make, but the value of appreciation or admiration from your friends. So can you elaborate a little bit more on that, on some of the intangible values that we place on some of the goods that we strive to uh, obtain? Yeah. And, and, and I think really it's so important what you just said, because that is a lot of times where it really is for us. It's those intangible values. And I often like to say, if you look in your trash can, everything in your trash can once had value. That wrapper, that container that, you know, DoorDash brought in for you or Uber Eats, whatever it is, you know, that was important or else the driver would have been carrying your food in in their hand. (laughs) As some do, no, I'm joking. Right. (laughs) Your fries were delicious. (laughs) Good point, good point. So now we really understand why the containers are important, but it is, I look at it and if you reverse, if you look at your trash can, you see that, wait a minute, when it lost its value, you threw it away. And it's the same thing we do with our goals. We tend to throw it out if we don't attach that, that, that we don't see the value, whether it's intangible or tangible. So when it comes to finances, it is about looking at what is my true purpose for money? One of the hardest questions you can ask yourself, yes. and that is, what do you want? Yes. I'm surprised, you may be surprised, probably not you, but some of your listeners may be surprised about how challenging that question can be. I I think for a majority of our lives, we're told what to value. You know, know, we're told you should have the VCR. We're told you should have the car. We're told you should have a certain size house. We're told we should have a certain number of children. So we're actually waiting for input. So when someone asks us, can you give us some output? We're like, um, I don't have any new input. Yes. <laughs> you know, I don't have the society. And I'll make this one comment. I was talking to an individual the other day and it's like, well, society says, and I'll always stop people when they say that. It's like mm-hmm. society. I said, the crazy thing about that line is we choose who society is. Meaning that when we're in a circle of financial uh, advisors, society says that the 4% withdrawal rate rule applies. That's what society says, but that's not society as a whole. That's your financial advisor society. When you're around fathers and you talk about discipline, the society says you should do X, Y, Z with your child. So what I tell people is that sometimes we have to reorganize 
who we consider our society, if we're going to change the way that we think about money. If it's just, mm -hmm. you know, Earl down the street who retired after 50 years, if that's your only input, that's your society. So we need to make sure that we're consistently getting professional help. And we're also auditing the help that we're getting. So let's focus on you as well as a behavioral finance specialist and giving people the opportunity to finally figure out what do they want? So my listeners right now, I want you to think as we're talking through this, what do you truly want? And I'm not talking about cars. I'm not talking about houses. As Ms. Marcella said, how do you feel? What do you want to feel? And what value do you want to get from the things that you're obtaining as we keep going forward here? So as you're helping these people down the road, strategy, let's talk about strategy. What are some strategies that you use to dive deeper into people's emotions and tap into that inner source where they get fulfillment from their goals? Start at the core. And when you talk about strategy, the very first thing is understanding what are your core values? So we talked about what do you want and what is your purpose for money? But getting down deeper, and I think if any individual has worked with a coach or whether it's life coach, a professional coach, any of those areas, you've probably gone through a process where you've had to identify your core values. What is not often done in our industry is understanding how those core values relate to money. And that is strategy that I use to help people really get an understanding of what is important to them so that they can behave and operate in financial alignment. And being in alignment, just like in, when you're driving your vehicle, when, you're, when your vehicle is out of alignment, what do you feel? That pull in the steering? You just you feel that pull. Right. Well, that's life, right? We're constantly being pulled. When it comes to financial decision-making, we are hearing everything and everyone, society, you know, all, all the social constructs, all of it's there. And even when we think we're making our own decisions, we're not making no, our own decisions. Right, <laughs> we're right. not. You have to establish a center, something that keeps you, say, in the lines and focused and establishing your, for, your core values and understanding how they work when it comes to optimizing your financial decision-making skills and increasing your financial intelligence, which is not the same as financial literacy. Uh, financial intelligence is the ability to make smart, responsible, value-based decisions with and about money in the face of difficult to deal with and competing emotions. Mm. And that is where the human struggle is when it comes to financial decision-making. Yeah. So it's about understanding your core values. So it can be that guide for you to be in financial alignment and more peace, joy when you're making decisions instead of regret, shame, guilt. Mm. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit later because that's a cognitive bias, right? The regret aversion, right? We, we have this fear of making a decision and things going wrong. So sometimes we don't make any decision at all. We're going to talk about that a little later coming up. Um, this strategy, I love this idea of getting into your core values. As we know, this is a Christian podcast. So we always believe that the values come straight from the Bible. And the more that we get into our Bible and we learn the biblical principles, we can use that as a filter 
for making decisions. Um, we talk about protecting our peace, establishing boundaries on which yeah. to make your decisions about your goal. If it doesn't get through that sifter, if it doesn't get through yes. um, peace, love, kindness, appreciation, one of my two favorite, favorite, favorite filters are two. Um, when the scribe walks up to Jesus and says, hey, what are the two greatest commandments? Because everyone talks about the law. He says, what? And here, O Israel, he quotes Deuteronomy, that our Lord is one. Also love him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor like yourself. Mm -hmm. So with that said, is that with those, just those two filters, if your goal is to become rich, that's not loving the neighbor as yourself. But if the goal is to have money so you can provide for your family and your friends and your community, that aligns with biblical principles. And when those two things conflict, that's when we have anxiety. That's when we have the depression is because the things that we desire do not match with our values. I want to move over to this, this mm -hmm. topic here. Um, okay. You have a wonderful quote, and I kind of want our listeners to hear this quote. And I'm going to take a little pause after I, before I say and after I say, because I want people to really get this. Legacy is how others will experience your existence. Legacy is how others will experience your existence. Now, please bless us with an explanation of what this means, because this really touched my heart. We hear the word legacy so often. It's an abstract word. Even when you really get to down to the root of it, there's still a lack of clarity with legacy. So I felt the need to really be clear on a, how, creating a holistic approach to this word, because we know it's important. It's, it's used there, it's used in our industry and other industries. So how other people will experience your existence ties to our need for, to, con to contribute and to society. And as, as, we're, as you just mentioned, to love our neighbor. Yes. And it, it's also calls to a purpose, intentionality, and understanding our calling and our purpose. So one part of that that I want to be clear on is how other people will experience your existence. Now, I've heard people say, after they hear me, they say how other people experience your existence. And I always make sure to add the will. Because for me, there's an intentionality. They're saying you are thinking about this process. You are thinking about how someone will experience you prior to that experience. And that's important because it is about intentionality. Yes. Everything we do needs to be about, we need to be intentional about what we think, say, do. And do that it. operates in the financial world and in our very being, that is what we are as, as you know, as Christians, we are required to do that. Uh, I think Proverbs is all about <laughs> intentionality and <laughs> how we operate. Right. So, I, you know, well, I took from the, your quote and it still gives me chills. Now I, I, I had a tough time sleeping the other night and I was up late and I'm looking at your quote and I'm reading your quote over and over, just, just really praying over the quote. Cause I think a lot of people, we hear these great lines and, and these great ideas, but in this world of this microwave society, we see a meme is very impactful and we just keep moving, right? Instead yes. of really meditating on what it really means. And, and what I abstracted from it was that let's imagine that you pass away, which we all will at some point, 
Uh, we have our family, we have our friends, things of that nature. And I imagine a legacy being broken in a million different pieces when you pass away. And it is the responsibility of people who come after you to rebuild who you are. And they're going to say, AB was honest. He was respectful. He valued biblical principles. And their legacy is when you can rebuild yourself back. And so it's not necessarily what you do, but how you make others feel as well. So, so if you had to recreate me, the way I manage my money, the way I think about humanity, how I think about serving others, if you could recreate me with a 99% accuracy, because we're not as good as God, but a 99% accuracy, you've left a great legacy. If your family cannot recreate your mindset, your intentions on what you want to do with money, your values, you did not leave a good legacy. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't. So when we create these wills, that is our opportunity to recreate or put ourselves into these documents. It says, this is yes. what I want to do with the house. This is what I want you to do with the church. This is what I want you to do with my grandchildren. This is my legacy. And this is how I want you to experience it when I'm gone. This document is going to speak for me when I'm not here. You 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 just nailed it. I'm going to drop a mic for you, AB. I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and adding to what you just said there, because all of that is correct. It's so powerful about that rebuilding, that legacy when we're gone. And this is why it's important to lead your legacy while you're alive. I always talk about leading your legacy. We, we talk about leaving a legacy, but we need to be intentional about leading the legacy so that the next generation knows how to put the pieces back together again. It should not be complicated. It should not be difficult. Oh, they're trying to figure this all out. Right. But the pieces are there because you led that leadership quality there in the legacy. Again, it goes back to intentionality. And when we understand this concept, this is where we can show up in our highest authority in Christ. Yes. This is where we're able to actually be who God needs us to be and show up in the world and impact individuals in a way that we can't do on our own, but with clarity and understanding of this legacy concept and love, then we're, we're really giving room for God to operate through us. Amen. And that's why it's important to to actually reflect on the legacy that people leave. And I think that's why people can have a strong relationship with Jesus and can filter out some of the, the, the lies and the deception that this world tries to place on him and his legacy and what he's done. If you read your book, if we really get into the scriptures, let's not trust. Unfortunately, I love, I love the pastors, but let's not just trust the man's one man's interpretation in the pulpit. Let's read it for ourselves and let us continue to grow and to manifest and, and sharpen those filters. So, yeah. you know, on, on the same subject, kind of like a tangent here, I want to take a step back because we're going to get really deep here. So, so right now we kind of deal with a lot of theory where, you know, and people are like, okay, well, that sounds great. And, and leaving a will, I know I need to do my will. I know mm -hmm. I need the power of attorney. Those are the technicals. That's the, the what, but we want to really get into the spirit of it now. Like, where do I go? Where do I get these answers? So, so how can people benefit from working with a behavioral financial advisor like you? Are they going to get these type of concepts when they work with you? Yes. And, and, and hopefully from the conversation so far, they're getting a, a, a bit of a taste of that, but 
really the the biggest benefit of working with a, a behavioral financial advisor is the similar to as an advisor yourself, but the support in the mindset, the money mindset, elevating the money mindset and understanding that, wait a minute, I am naturally geared. My brain is naturally wired to work against me when it comes to finances and money. That's a whole other conversation we're going to have. <laughs> so be, being able to work with someone that can guide you through any efforts of self-sabotage is what I feel like my primary role is um, to be that, you know, that, you know, be that guide, um, work with the mindset around money and help you to stay on track with those values that we talked about. Good. Good. I, I like that. Money, money doesn't have feelings, but we do. Right. Yes. So, so, so yes. money, so money doesn't care if you use it to pay off debt or you buy a Christmas gift. Money is just money. We're the ones that give the emotion and the feeling behind money. One thing uh, yes. I, I deal with a lot of people who are, are dealing with, unfortunately, people who have transitioned and sometimes they will get an inheritance and they feel uncomfortable getting that money because now they've associated the death of that individual with that money. And they feel that if the money goes down, they're letting their family members down yes. and they end up holding it so tight. They never allow it to grow and it ends up crippling them in the long run. I mean, sometimes they can't even look at the letters that are from the family members, whether they're bills or checks, you know, I've, right. I've seen them both. I've seen a stack yes. of bills and I've seen a stack of checks and you know, the individual doesn't even want to look at it, but that has to come from a deep rooted um, feelings that we have to break up because yes. those bills don't go away just because you're not feeling good. We have to be more proactive. And that's why I think it's very important that people talk to you before the emotions come. And I tell people, get your will before your the death of an individual, because what happens is you need to mourn, you need space, yeah. but your billing company, your credit card company, unfortunately, you know, they may have all the taglines in the world. We care about you. No, that is a business. It is a cold-hearted EIN number that's made up of individuals. They're going to send that bill. So make sure yeah. that we get this done early. So we we hear the word legacy thrown around all the time, especially in the financial industry. And we kind of touched on that before, but I want to take it a little bit deeper here. However, you, you have this unique approach to framing this concept. So can you share what this is and how you actually implement it into your financial coaching? What we do is intertwine the concepts of legacy pillars in everything that we do in the planning and the coaching and our legacy builders is really the framework for building and impacting and fulfillment in your life. And the pillars are four pillars and they represent fitness, finance, family, and faith. And when I talk about finance, I'm referring to money behavior. So going back to our mindset, our behavior, where does that come from? What are we thinking about money? What's our relationship with money? All that's involved in, fin in finance, in fitness, physical, and mental health. You know, I'm really getting, I always say there's, you get to a point in life where you realize that, wait a minute, what does money matter, matter when my health is not built? It's not where it needs to be. Amen. So there's health, uh, there's fitness, then family. And when I talk about family, I'm referring to interdependent relationships. So being in the relationships where you have the freedom to be yourself, 
to grow with one another and to have the flexibility with one another that's needed. So interdependent relationships, because we need each other. And then faith. And the faith, it's our belief systems. What is your belief about yourself, your self-belief, and what is your belief about your purpose of existence? Why are you here? And so those are the four primary pillars that need to be touched on and established and strengthened, just like a four-legged stool. If you're on three legs, you can still sit. It's not as it's not as strong as a four-legged four stool. Right. But if you're down to two, you're wobbling. <laughs> you're wobbling. <laughs> so I talk about the strength of the four pillars so that we can be all that God has called us to be and operate in these areas because how we do one thing is how we do anything. And it goes back to our understanding of what money is for. Amen. This is really, we focus on what we're doing, but going back to who we are, who we are designed to be by our creator, who we're designed to be is where we will understand and find peace and fulfillment and operating in that space. Amen. Amen. It's a concept that I like to to use. I, I love the bar stool um, example. Uh, this reminds me of the four burner effect. I don't know if you're aware of it, but it's where you know you have four burners on the stove, and sometimes you have to turn things down in order to make other things grow. We all can't be. You know, let's say family, fitness, faith, and finance. You only have a hundred percent. We can't divide everything up to 25%. Sometimes we got to turn down the fitness to turn up our faith when we're going through something that's very hard. Sometimes our children need us a little bit more at school. So we turn up our family and we may have to turn down our finances a little bit. And we have to learn how to cook. I know when my mom was teaching me how to cook, some things were on broil, some things were frying, some things were simmering, some things were boiling. You know, it all depends. Some things were just keeping warm, right? But yeah. it all made sure that we had a great dinner. Because if we put everything, if we put one thing at a hundred, something's going to burn. The other thing's going to be cold. So we yes. have to really play around with these dials. I tell people it's not an on off switch. It's not like you go running, train for a half marathon, and then you don't do any exercise for the next six months. It's a dial. So instead of maybe running three miles, you run two, you know, instead of maybe reading 10 pages in your Bible, it's okay if you have to read five, right? But you don't not read your Bible at all right? Yes. You don't forget about your finances. You just may not have to worry about it by statement, by statement, by day, by day. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it's not about perfection. It's not about getting it all right. I go back to the alignment, being in, in a state where you understand wh what you want from each of these areas, what you what's your intention in each of these areas. And the key to this is knowing when it's off. When you establish your core values and you understand how it operates within these four pillars, when situations come up and you have to make financial decisions, so things may not be going well, maybe you're, you know, you're, you're having some challenges in life, right. like we all have, it's a state of being in which you know how to tap into your values to right. get clarity because you've tied these values to your biblical principles. Amen. And you understand that, wait a minute, now we're being able to detect what's off. So it's understanding the physiology that's going on. We're understanding what's going on with our body. 
what's going on with our emotions and what's going on with our thinking. Right. Those are the three areas that we tap into and being able to tap into those three areas, no matter what's going on, gives us alignment in these areas. So again, not perfection, not a hundred percent, but alignment and under and being in uh, being in control of your emotions as opposed to your emotions being in control of you. Right. That's, that's amazing. And, and the same thing is about being around those environments long enough to pick up the nuances and the subtle changes that may occur. A lot of us don't have the internal reflection or, you know, that, that moment to meditate in the morning. We talk about morning routines is to really get in tune with the nuances that may occur. Maybe it's a, a tiny, 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 tiny ting in the back, in your lower back to identify that maybe you're having some back problems, maybe you're not sleeping well, or maybe just a little bit thirsty. You know, you need a little bit more water before things get too bad. And the same thing with our finances. We can't review our finances every 10 years or only when we get a raise or only when bills start to get, um, start piling up on us. We have to get around this. Let's speak about the importance of actually elevating your money mindset. So what does that look like? What are the challenges that may hold someone back? When it comes to elevating your money mindset, it really starts with, well, where did your money mindset come from? Where did you develop it? What did you hear, see growing up about money? And one of the things I like to talk about is the no talk rule. And I'm sure you're familiar with that. The no talk rule is really just a set of rules that are established among family members that a certain topic would not be addressed. You know, we hear this a lot with, with money and sex. You know, we're not talking about this thing. So and so when it comes to money, it shows up with families, maybe fighting. You grew up, you know, hearing your parents fighting about money or no one talked about money. You just, you don't talk about income or anything like that. And we take that into adulthood. There's so many other scenarios. And I'm sure if your listeners can just think of one thing that you remember about what did you hear about money growing up? Or what didn't you hear about money growing up? And how has that impacted you throughout the years? That is, as an adult, you're carrying that with you. It doesn't just get dropped off on the side of the road to adulthood. Yeah. You take it with you. And from there, you have to be able to reflect on that. What, what is my mindset about money? And it does not matter what tax bracket you're in. It simply doesn't matter. Whatever your mindset was rooted in when it comes about money, it's where it's rooted. Start there. Now, how do we get that to the next level? How do we change that? How do we not pass this on to the next generation? Mm. How do we build a healthier, a more secure, a more uh, educated legacy? And it's real. it starts with, understanding what I just said, this concept and being able to dive in deep about where you are currently. Some of the biases that are holding you back. What can, what do I need to learn from myself? What do I need? How do I, who do I need to talk to, to educate myself? What, you know, advice, coaching, all of that. Mm. It's, it, that's where we really have to go with it. Ooh, 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 ooh. You opened up a whole can of worms. I'm getting chills. I love this conversation. Uh, the reason being is because we talk about, and what I'm getting from your conversation is money scripts. So, you know, what story have you told yourself or what story have you heard from your family that helped you develop your idea of money? Uh, Matt Garner, uh, he's the author of Three Money Bears. And he said that 
children develop a concept of money as early as seven and eight. So they know how to go to the store. They know that gets them candy. They know that's a reward and, and they know they can exchange it for goods. But we're not teaching kids about money until they're 18, 19, and they have to pay their first taxes or they're getting their first credit card on college campuses because of these predatorial credit card companies. And I think it's very important that we break down these money scripts because the reason I was getting chills is because we can definitely pass down the trauma of the system to our children. Before we go too deep into this, I want to reflect here because we're going over a lot of stuff here. So first we talked about setting our goals, making sure we're attaching our values, um, preferably our, <laughs> our uh, Christian values, um, where we talk about morality, truth, honesty, things of that nature, figuring out what you want, making sure that it's an eternal reflection of who you are and not an outward reflection of society. We talked about the legacies often uh, how others will experience your existence. And we talked about a little bit of background of behavioral finance, why you should see a behavioral finance advisor, um, a legacy. What does that really mean in the financial industry and how do we approach that in financial planning? So we want to go deeper now. We're going to go a little, I know we've gone deep. <laughs> We're going to go a little bit deeper. Hello, my name is Elijah Warren Ridgway and I'm the owner of AB Ridgway Wealth Management. And my focus is to help you secure your finances so you can help secure the financial future of those you love. See me, I'm a true teacher at heart. As a fee-only advisor, I don't sell, I serve. See, God asks us to be good stewards of the things he has given us dominion over, to give with a loving heart, to help those less fortunate. See, my clients choose me because we share the same value systems, the same beliefs, and substantially agree with each other's philosophies about money, about love, and about life. See, I teach you how to be good stewards so that you can teach the next generation how to be obedient to the Word of God. In the Bible, it says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And if that's you, and if you are in search of help, you've come to the right place. I want to help you build your legacy. Let's start today. Let's plan for your future and the future of generations to come. Just give me a call, click below. There's no obligation and there's no fee. Just me and you discussing how I can serve you. Um, and I want to bring up this article by Business Insider. It's titled Behavioral Finance is a Science that Analyzes Why Investors Often Make Misguided Choices. Three main points they make is, one, behavioral finance is the study of psychological influences on investors and financial markets. Behavioral finance biases often lead people to make illogical or detrimental investment decisions. And Understanding financial behavior biases can help people make more rational moves with their money. And that's the key here. We want to help you make better rational decisions. So we're going to talk about the irrational. Um, cognitive biases is basically ba says that your brain is broken. <laughs> that's what an optical yeah. illusion is. Your brain is filling in what should be there, but it's not. I want to start with anchoring. And we believe that we are making the best decision, but where is that coming from? And this is where it's the importance of being still and pausing 
an understanding of like, wait a minute, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? Where does this line up with the goals that I have going on? Um, how does this impact? All these questions you have to ask yourself that you need to continue to ask yourself uh, because of situations like that that will continue to be and will show up in our lives when it comes to anchoring. Yeah, perfect, perfect. And, and like I said, these benchmarks that we set for ourselves in our money scripts, you know, my mom was this, so I'm this, right? We, we set yes. these anchors and we don't want to move too far off. My mom was a humble woman. I'm a humble woman. You know, we don't want to fall too far off these marks. We get, we get very comfortable in there. And, yes. and, and it, like I said, it impacts, it impacts our, our ability to grow, um, grow our wealth. Um, because again, the money mindset, where's your mindset around that? Are you, are mm. you limiting yourself? the limiting beliefs that are tied to that. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to make one more example for, for those who are listening, uh, a type of anchoring would say, if I said, how much money do you want to make? And you say, well, I want to make 90,000. Right. And I'm like, well, where'd that number come from? It's like, I don't know. I make 80,000 now. So I guess maybe I could just make a few, few more dollars. That's what we call an anchor. You may have the earning potential to make a million dollars, $2 million, $3 million, but you've used your past income over the yes. past five years as an anchor to determine your earning potential in the next year or two. And that can be potentially a limiting belief because we're holding on to where we are, where we've been to determine our possibilities of where we can go. And sometimes we have to get rid of this limiting belief because you can make as much money as you want. I mean, who knows? You may win the lottery. I'm not saying that's what you want to do, but you okay. may right? We have to be open to that. Yes. So let's move on to disposition effect. And basically the idea is that there's a greater pain with losses than with joy of winning. So let's give you an example. If you're walking, you know, you're around your house and you drop a $20 bill somewhere, you're like, I have a $20 bill. I don't know where it's at. You will search day and night for that $20 bill. You're like, I know there's a $20 bill in this house. Everybody let's clean up trying to figure out where this money is. And it's going to hurt to know that you lost $20. Now, if you went to the store and someone said, here, I gave you a $21 coupon, you'd be like, oh, thanks. You wouldn't think anything of it. That's what the disposition effect is. And we see that in finances often is because when we look at our portfolio, we may lose 5% and we just start crying. We think that the world's going to come to an end. But if we gain 6%, we think it's another day in the financial world. As far as that fear of loss. Can you talk a little bit like what have you seen in your clients as far as that fear of not going for their goals? Yes. And like I said, everything you just said, the example that you gave is important because it does tie back to against that fear of lack. It, what you've experienced growing up, what you've experienced in your life, maybe even if it wasn't growing up, but you went through some serious financial decisions that maybe you, you came out of and you recovered from but that tra money trauma is still there and it's impacting you. So you're not able to clearly, you're not, the rational decisions uh, or ability to make those rational decisions are a bit um, challenging for you. So I've seen that. I've worked with um, individuals who have simple, just challenges with being able to move and shift based off of that fear of loss because they've experienced it before. They've experienced the situation. I remember I was dealing with one client who was just sitting, just sitting on <laughs> some, uh, some funds there that I'm just like, 
you know, it doesn't matter. It was a, some coaching I was doing, providing her with information about releasing the trauma, releasing some of the some of the things that she had gone through in her past with a previous situation, a previous spouse, and even though she's now in a much better environment, again, the trauma is still there, and the ability to shift from one mindset to another, because that's what's happening. You have to make a shift. Is has like I said, intentional. It needs to be focused and direct, but it requires uh, that approach. It requires an approach that says, okay, where am I now? Where is this coming from? Be clear on that. Be honest with yourself and taking the steps to really reframe, reframe the mindset because it's a framing, right? Right. All of this is about, this is how we're framing. This is what we're seeing in life. Amen. We need to pause to reframe. Yes. And that kind of leads into regret aversion, right? It's it's more yes. painful when you act and you lose than when you do nothing and lose the same amount. And I'm, I'm assuming your company helps with that, right? It's like, hey, listen, we're not perfect either. We all suffer from cognitive biases. I know that I do. Um, I think if we ignore the fact that we all are biased in some form or fashion, um, I think that'd be very ignorant of us, right? And, and very arrogant and pride comes before the fall. But, you know, for you to help them make those life-changing decisions and to be objective because when your feelings are involved, like you say, we make decisions based on our emotions and we justify them logically. And I think talking to someone like you, they can break some of these um, curses, you know, the, these generational traumas about money that we have. So I do want to jump from regret aversion. I kind of want to move to mental accounting as we kind of wrap up here, because I think this is where a lot of us fall victim to um, these biases. So let me give you an example. You're, you're $45,000 in debt, but you receive $2,000 from mom and dad for Christmas. And instead of putting it towards your debt, which is the most logical thing to do to reduce the interest rates, what do we do? We go and say, this is gift money. So I'm going to go buy me a shirt or I'm going to buy me uh, some pants or go on vacation. So can you talk about the mislabeling of money um, and mental accounting and how that is really holding us back from reaching our full potential. This is why when we're working with our clients, that relationship and understanding of money is a tool. You know, what you're using money for is to provide you with what you actually want, what yes. you want to feel, who you want to be, how you want to operate, and what your legacy is going to be, right? Really breaking it down with our clients. And unless you're doing that, money will have no home. <laughs> money will fly <laughs> out. Like I said, money will be in the wind and you'll never see it again. The right. attachment value, and that's just, that's the natural state of things. I yes. really want to come to somebody, that is our natural state. When money is not understood. So when we're talking about, you know, mental accounting, that is why that's we fall into that trap. That is why individuals fall into that trap because simply because there is no value attached to that money. You're told, oh, wait a minute. Someone said that this is Christmas money or this is this, yes. your, your tax return. You can do whatever you what want. However, when you have clarity about you've understood the process, you, you have crystal clarity on what you want, why you want it. And there's an emotional attachment to that objective. 
And again, this is the same thing. And, you know, I talk about with fit, with fitness, as you mentioned earlier, that I am a flexibility coach as well. Yeah. So I tie fitness and finance, and this is the same situation we have when it comes to even our fitness goals. Yes. When there's no emotional attachment to the outcome, because you haven't tied the value in such a way. So if let's say your, one of your values is security. Yes. And, and it's funny, actually, I do a lot of these value exercises with individuals. I've done hundreds. And one of the number one values for individual is actually freedom. Mm. Freedom is the top value. And I believe as believers, we have to understand that because he who Christ has set free is free indeed. So freedom Amen. is, is a part of that value for us. So when someone says, I, I, I want free, freedom is one of my values then one of the things you have to look at is, well, how am I allowing instant gratification to interfere with my freedom? Right. What is what, what does freedom mean? What do I want to be able to do this? What does that look like? So when money magically shows up <laughs> and you are having to make a choice on what's going to happen with that money, then mental accounting becomes less of a challenge yes. because guess what? You have an attachment to the plans that you've already set up with your coach or advisor and these plans tie to this freedom value. Amen. And that becomes more important than Amen. the gift or the shoes or whatever it is. Or the gratification, exactly. You're $45,000 in debt, you say, I am going to get out of this debt. So any money that comes that's extra in my life is going toward this debt because I want that financial freedom. So there's not even a question of where that money is going to go because you know exactly where you're going to put it. And you so, can feel that, right? You can you can yes. feel that that clarity when you're like this, as you just described it, there was such clarity. And I talk about the feelings because again, we don't tap into our feelings. Our feelings tell us, alert us. Yes. Every time. So you're $45,000 in debt and that money comes in and it doesn't go in the right, it doesn't go towards that debt. You will feel that. Yes. You will feel yourself going against your value and it will disrupt you. You'll feel disruption. We ignore these things, right. but our bodies tell us when we are not in alignment, not in alignment. with those values through ties to our money. And we have to choose not to ignore it. Listen and reposition ourselves. Perfect. Well, we're going to we're going to end it right there. We had one more. We was going to talk about the herd mentality. But if you want to know more about the herd mentality and what that all means, you're going to have to schedule an appointment with Marcella and figure that out. So we've already talked about setting those goals, making sure that we can overcome some of these cognitive biases, anchoring, disposition effect, regret aversion, mental accounting, and the one I want you to reach out to her about the herd mentality. So, you know, all these are different um, cognitive biases and there's hundreds. So if you Google cognitive biases, there's hundreds of different cognitive biases and financial decisions that we can make. So we only highlighted a few that may affect you and a majority of individuals when they're talking about managing their finances. But as we close, there's a couple of things I want to do. And the reason I want to do this is because we were very, very heavy on the behavioral finance. Obviously, this is a Christian podcast. We talk about faith. Um, Marcella is a family woman as well. But I want to talk a little bit about fitness because Marcella said this earlier, and it was very important. I do not want this to get missed, is that no matter how rich you are, 
no matter how well you deal with cognitive biases, no matter how well you manage your money, if you do not take care of yourself and your fitness to live a long life, it's going to be all for naught. Um, in the book of Ecclesiastics, Solomon says, meaningless, meaningless, life is meaningless. The translation for Hebrew is hevel. Hevel meaning smoke or vapor. So he tries to pursue wealth. He tries to pursue those pleasures and he realizes it's like smoke. It looks like it's there, but soon it fades away when we try to grasp it. Finance is one of them if we don't have fitness. So we can have all the money in the world, but if we don't live long enough to enjoy it, then it's going to be a problem. When it comes to fitness, from my personal story, it was about flexibility. I got myself into, I, I felt the Lord guide me into, he said, you need to be flexible. Thinking it was a physical, it was, uh, I woke up on my 45th birthday, 2019, and I realized that I did not feel how I wanted to feel. I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, and I made started making a change. Again, I, the, I felt the drop of, okay, flexibility. And I set a goal to do a full split. I've never been able to do a split. 21 months later, I accomplished that goal. Congrats. But it was not about, it was not even about that goal. It was about the journey and the mindset of what God was telling me about flexibility of Amen. mindset. And it led to um, me being able to support my clients in a totally different way, even when it comes to finance, because I've been able to really use that fitness journey. And with understanding the mindset is the same when it comes to finances. Yeah. And so being able to be and to operate within a body that can, where you're making health a priority, you, what you will learn is that the same discipline it takes to stay focused in your fitness is the same discipline it takes to, to stay focused in your finance. Amen. And I know when the conversation we had, we talked about breathing, right? That breathing, the breathing technique that I, that I teach and that you do in yoga and they have various different breathing techniques. But one of the things that I noticed is that I did not breathe. I did not know how to breathe. I was not breathing properly. I <laughs> a mouth my breather. Entirely too much. A lot yeah. of people are mouth breathers, believe it or not. Yes. You're like, wait, hold on. No, the yes. nose has the filter and everything. All of that. And I'm, and I'm the kind of person that just holds my breath without realizing. I'm mm. holding, I'm just holding my breath. And that could be a form of, again, anxiety, tension, all that's going on with your body. That's why I talked about early and knowing what you're thinking, feeling, and what's and what are you doing actually right. pausing to pay attention to wait a minute what's my body doing am i slouching what am i what am i feeling what is that for so pausing learning how to breathe actually falls in line with what we've been talking about when it comes to financial intelligence because being able to combat those emotions when you need to make an, a financial intelligent decision requires a pause mm. and breathe Awesome. And I teach individuals how to implement that when it is time to make a financial decision, so much so that it becomes a habit so that you're not having to think, okay, wait a minute, I need to make a decision. Let me pause and breathe. But you know to pause and breathe. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Is this, what is this tension? Pause Amen. and breathe, relax your muscles. So it all ties in, like I said, it's a physical practice that impacts our mental health so powerfully. Man, and, amen. And God doesn't do that by accident. <laughs> right. Uh, Victor Franco, who survived the Holocaust, he actually said um, yes. in between the stimulus and how we react, there is this space in which we have the freedom to choose our responses. 
to things that happen. And I love the fact that we talked at the very beginning. Once again, if you got here um, and you, you haven't heard the beginning, go back to the beginning. But we talked about what do you want? And she's saying, hey, listen, with fitness, you can breathe in that space. You can meditate on it. We talked about her quote. At, I did exactly what you told me to do. I, I breathed your quote and I let it internalize and see what it meant to me. You know, not what people wanted me to know, but what does that quote mean to you? I want you to do the same thing. The quote that we talked about, I want you to meditate on it. And I want you to think about what does that mean to me? And the quote goes, legacy is how others will experience your existence. Legacy is how others will experience your existence. And I want you to breathe that in and figure out what that means to you so you can make better decisions. And that's why Marcella is who she is, because she is going to take you from where you are to where you need to be. Okay. And Marcella, before we go, let them know where they can talk to you, engage with you, because this has been a wonderful episode. Is there anything else that you want to say before we close out? Yeah, thank you so much. I, this, I really enjoy talking to you. I think we could probably go another hour. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, you can reach me at um, MarcellaMWilliams.com. Uh, or you can also reach me at LegacyBuilderGroup.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Marcella Mala Williams, um, and other other social media platforms. Um, feel free to call or email. Um, but all of that's on the website, and um, and really, I want an opportunity to go back to just saying, being clear. You just said it again. What do I want to sit and breathe in that space? What is your What are you feeling about your purpose in this existence? You exist. We talked about how other people experience your existence. Now sit with that for yourself and understanding your purpose. God created you. Your existence is not by accident. It is intentional because we serve an intentional God and our every being and operation is to be intentional. So to sit with that and be intentional about your existence. Hey man, Marcel, Marcel, you can't you can't give it all to them. You got you, they have to go see you. You can't give it all to them on that. <laughs> so they they have to go see you. There's so much more that she can provide. I want to thank you for giving us your time, your experience, because your time is very valuable. I hope that those who are listening are fulfilled. We don't want to overwhelm you with too much because like I said before in the very beginning, we probably could talk for hours and hours and hours on behavioral finance and what that means as far as fitness is concerned, but it's not going to work if you don't have a one-on-one conversation with her. Um, this is a personal experience that you and Marcella need to have together in one-on-one. Once again, we can't talk about the herd mentality. This podcast is a herd mentality. We are talking to thousands of individuals at once, but you need your one-on-one experience so we can focus on your trauma. We can focus on your decisions and figure out which of these biases we need you to overcome so you can reach your full earning potential and you can make the check that you've always deserved. So ladies and gentlemen, that is it from us. I've had a wonderful time with Marcella and I hope you did as well. I want you all to go check out her website. I feel truly blessed that we have her on our show and I'm sure we're going to keep in contact and continue to spread her message to the world because it is one that needs to be heard. If you got this far and you were like, you know what? I like Marcella. She really speaks my language. Then I want you to reach out. I want you to schedule a consultation with her today. Don't wait, not tomorrow, not next week. I want you to take one deep breath and click schedule consultation. Our show is about 
highlighting those in the industry that are doing the right things. And Marcella is one of those advisors. To stay contacted with us, be sure to join our mailing list to receive future guest updates, links, discount codes, and free resources to help you manage your money responsibly. Once again, links will be in the description. That is it for me. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing.